If you're a teacher, new or experienced expert or novice, ag or other, and want to connect with someone who gets what you're going through, stick with me and we can laugh and learn our way through this year together. On today's episode, we're talking about my first week at school. It was a three-day week um, and I'm excited to share what happened with all of you. So on Monday this week, um, I spent the entire day at the middle school. There's 12 teachers total there, which I found out that day. And all the staff is so welcoming and so nice. Um, so I was in there first thing in the morning, um, sitting in my classroom, getting all organized. And then um, a teacher came in and invited me to go to lunch with everybody. And there's a little place there in town. So a whole bunch of us went to lunch. Um, made some pretty good friends and some connections kind of starting to, to get settled. Um, but everyone was just so nice and I, I really appreciated that. Um, when we got back, we had a little professional development presentation and spent the rest of the day in our classrooms. But my goal for on Monday was to get my entire room set up and ready to roll because I wasn't coming back to it until Wednesday, which was the first day of school. Um, so the middle school, that room was in pretty good shape. Um, it had been been swept and all the scrap wood had been cleaned up. All the projects were pushed to the um, back of the classroom. And now I have plans to get rid of, to find those homes. Um, and so really what I needed to do was like write my syllabus and make copies and just get everything like printed and ready for the day. Um, and that was, that was my first contract day um, at the middle school, getting everything prepped and ready. Um, I had, it was, I mean, it was a lot of fun. Really glad that I got to meet all the all the teachers, and everyone was just so so welcoming. Um, but I came home on Monday night, feeling pretty good. Um, I was ready for middle school and ready ready for the di- ready for Wednesday to happen. Um, and so then on Tuesday, I spent my entire day at the high school. Um, so I didn't go back to the middle school. And first thing in the morning, we had professional development. Well, I spent an hour in my classroom first. But then we had some professional development, an all-staff meeting, a high school meeting. Um, and then, um, like, the nurse came in and talked about health risks. Um, those students, um, we talked about our SPED department and those students we need to watch out for. Um, and it was so overwhelming. Um all these teachers were talking about um, they're stressed over this new curriculum or they're stressed because they switched classrooms or like these, these things that happen that are, I mean, they're stressful. Um, meanwhile, I'm sitting in the back freaking out because I don't have a syllabus. Like I have, I have nothing. Um, <laughs> so it was, it's pretty funny to see the stress levels in the, the older experienced teachers. Um, still having the same seemingly level of panic that I'm having. Um, but I'm, I'm excited for when I get to stress about those things and I get to stress about the best way to implement a new curriculum instead of what's my syllabus, what am I teaching, what are some units I should cover, is there any framework that exists? Um, I would way rather stress about how to be the most effective teacher with the tools that I'm given. So I'm excited for that. Um, but yeah, so it was a stressful morning. Uh, we spent the last half of the day in the classrooms. And I got, I stressed all morning about like writing my syllabuses and getting them printed. 
and then it took me like an hour. So there was that. But I got everything prepped and ready and organized, and then I was ready for the day. Um, one of the people that at the high school that reached out was the music teacher. Her name's Victoria. She's been there for three years now, and she's awesome. Um, every time I, I see her in the hall, she asks how how I'm doing and how's that going and are you having any struggles? Do you have any questions? Stop by my room if you need anything. Um, and I really appreciate that. Um, reaching out to us young teachers is is an awesome thing that you can do, um, especially if you're just a couple years into it. Um, you remember what it's like and you know what we're going through. Just tell us it'll it'll be okay. Um, some advice that she gave me is set a leave time. Um, her first year, she lived um, a little over an hour away from the school, which is where I'm at now until I move um, into the town I'm teaching in. Um, and she said, set, set a leave time. And if the work's not done by then, then it's not done by then. Um, so I've been doing that, and it's, it's helpful. It's good to have boundaries. I'm a little bit worried about it for when I actually move into town. I'm just going to stay at school all night because I don't have anyone at home waiting for me, and I don't I really have a reason to not be at school. So that's a goal. We're, we're going to work on it. Um, yeah. So on, the, on each one of my syllabus, um, for every single class, I broke down the grades to 80% of the overall class grade comes from coursework. So like labs, homework, bell work, notebooks, like all the stuff that we do in class is 80% of the grades. Um, 10% I took from FFA. Um, I'm requiring that they participate in four events. They by no means need to pay dues or order a jacket. Like I don't need, I don't need that level of participation um, unless a student wants to, but I am requiring that they all participate in one CDE or LDE of their choice. It can be at the local level. We can have a welding runoff if they want. Um, they have to be on a committee, which my committees are made of the classes. And so by simply being in the plant science class, they're on the fundraising committee. So that's easy. Already finished. Um, they have to be, oh, what was my other one? Um, oh, they have to come to at least one chapter meeting. And the last one, the fourth event, is their choice. Um, and so if they want to compete in two CDEs, if they want to go to the, the farm expo in February, if, like whatever, whatever that looks like for them, um, they get to choose that fourth event. And there's no double dipping for that one. So these are each going to be four separate events. And then the last 10% of my grade is going to be um, from their SAE projects. And so we... We're an AET school, um, and then on just this last Friday, we spent, I'm dedicating Fridays to AET because they're short class periods, um, and so the, the work that they do, and like setting up the account and keeping the records, and like all of that work that happens on Fridays, we'll all calculate into that 10% grade, um, but yeah, so that's how I, I break down and I, I grade my classes. Uh, I lost one student because of it, because she doesn't want to do FFA that badly, um, which I don't really get. I mean, I could have done a, a better job explaining to her that she was really stressed about missing school. I could have done a better job of explaining that. And like the FFA meetings are after school and they're local. We can, we can compete 
at the local level. Um, the committee happens in class. You're already there. And then just come to an extra meeting and you're at your four. And you don't have to miss school. You don't have to travel, all that stuff. Um, so le- lesson learned. Um, next time that comes up, I'll be able to address it a little bit better. But I'm just going to take it as a learning opportunity. And um, She's a freshman, and so I'll have, she'll have more opportunities to get back in and, and join. Um, but I was sad to see her go. So after Tuesday, um, I finished up, ready to roll. Each class, each of my classrooms and every single one of my classes was ready for the first day of school. And nobody panic, but we're starting out our teaching career. I was so excited. Um, I got up, I got up at like four, um, left the house by 5.30. I like to take long hot showers, so it takes me a minute to get ready. Um, left the house by 5.30 and then was at school before seven. Class starts at 8.10. So I was one of, well, me and another teacher pulled up at the same time. Um, but the janitors were already there, the maintenance people. So one of the first ones at school, really excited and nervous and ready to roll. And I just needed to make a couple copies and I was ready for the day. But you know what? I was there an hour early because just in case. So the way that I structured my day one, um, everything that I do, I that's the same in all the classes. I bring it down a little bit for the middle schoolers because um, they don't need to have the same expectations as the high schoolers. Um, and at the high school level, I have like three freshmen and all the rest are juniors and seniors. And so I have like quite the age difference between my classes. So day one looked very similar for all the classes. Um, I, I'm a fan of bell work. Um, thank you, Dr. Wong, for that. Um, so the bell work, they had a, a worksheet. Um, they just had like 11 questions like, why are you in this class? What do you expect? Um, what do you think you're going to learn? What are you, what are you excited about? Um, and then my last question, what else does Miss Hicks need to know about you? Um, and sometimes I get some good stuff and then other times I leave it blank and other times they, they're like, well, my favorite color is blue. So, but I like the option for those students that are like, I am very nervous for working with power equipment. Like that's good information for me to know. So that's why I keep that question. Um, just what else, what else do I need to know about you? Um, so that, so that worksheet I had at my high school, at the middle school, it was a little bit different. They just had four questions. Um, like I joined this class because, so I also started the sentence for them. Um, I'm excited. I'm excited for this class. I hope I get to learn. And Miss Hicks also needs to know about me and then left it blank and they drew a little pictures of a little picture of themselves. Um, and so they all filled that out. Um, and then when they were finished, I showed them mine and like talked them through it. Um, and then, um, I always hated in class when we had to share like all of our answers to the questions. Um, cause like some of them, I didn't feel like I had a good one or like, what else does Miss Hicks need to know about me? Like I wrote that for Miss Hicks, not for the class. Um, and it's a pretty small town and these kids have all gone to school together. And so. I didn't feel like that was necessary. So those papers were all for me. At the end of the class, I collected for I collected them. And then I'm going through and like kind of gauging my students to see what 
they're interested in and what they're nervous about and just trying to get to know them better. Um, in my classrooms, I don't have a projector. I don't do, I don't have the option to do like a PowerPoint or a, a presentation or any sort of that type of thing. Um, and that's how I was taught to do my first day of school. It's with a PowerPoint. So listening to Miss Wedger's podcast, um, there's one that was inquiry based. And if you've not listened to it, you need to, um, inquiry based learning. And they gave me the idea of flipping my first day of school, which I listened to, I think, Monday on the way to school. Um, so instead of telling them, um, I grew up in the Boise area and I bought a horse when I was 12. And like instead of giving them the information, um, everyone took two sticky notes and they wrote down two assumptions um, and they didn't have much to go off of. Um, I had told them that I liked chocolate and horses at that point. Um, I mean, I was wearing, I was wearing a cute first day school outfit. Um, I wear a ring. So like they don't, they have like what they can see, which is not much. The very little information I've told them. And then their impression of me just from the first like 10 minutes of class. So they each took two sticky notes and wrote down some assumptions. Like you have four siblings. You're a cat person instead of a dog person. Um, you grew up in the country. Um, you're five foot five, all sorts of stuff. Um, they had some funny examples. Um, and then I went through and I, I said, I was, I was starting with the ones that were true. Um, so I, I pull one that says, um, I prefer dogs to cats. And like, yes, I'm a dog person. I like cats, but I'm also thankful that my fiance is allergic to them because now we don't have to have them. Um, so that was kind of funny. So it answered their question and then also give them just a little bit more information on top of it. Um, and it was a fun way to get to know each other. Um, and then they felt like the information that I gave them was information that they wanted to know. And so then if there was like a funny one, um, they wanted to know like who asked it. And so we'd, we'd figure out who, who wrote that one down. Um, and so that was a lot of fun, especially at the middle school. Um, what was interesting is that each class was able to take the information that they needed to know about me. Um, they took that where they wanted to take it. Um, so none of my middle schoolers asked anything about my welding experience. But at the high school, they did because I was teaching a welding class and I was young and female. And that was something that they were concerned about because um, I don't I don't share a lot of like demographic commonalities with the teacher that left. And so that, that was a concern. Um, so they, they got to take it where they wanted to. Um, and so at the high school, I got questions. Well, before they filled out their sticky notes, I prefaced it with respectful and appropriate, respectful and appropriate. You can make all sorts of assumptions as long as they're respectful and appropriate. So um, I had like one student try to guess my weight. Um, another student asked if I liked to party um, after I had very clearly stated my expectations, and so then I just didn't read those ones. Um, I took them down and set them aside, and they're like, you didn't read mine, and I was like, what were our two rules? Respectful and appropriate. Um, I read the ones that were respectful and appropriate. So then after I read the correct ones, um, I took the ones that were, that were incorrect, like the one where they guessed I was five foot five. I said, no, I'm not, um, but I will take that as a compliment. So I didn't tell them how tall I was. I just... Um, led them to believe that I am shorter than that, which I am. 
Um, and then another class, they tried to guess how tall I am. And I just said, well, I'm an inch taller than my big sister. So that's all that matters. And so it was, it was pretty funny. Um, like being able to share information, but not like, like, you don't need to know how much I weigh. That's not appropriate. Um, so that was, I had a lot of fun with that one and it was more interactive than a PowerPoint and they, it, it took it in a way that they cared about it. So, so after the sticky note thing, we did our laboratory observations in the middle school, we all stayed on our bar stools and we could spin in a complete circle, but we couldn't move. And so our bar, our butt stays on our bar stool and our bar stool stays at the table and they spun a complete circle and it was, they had a, a question worksheet that like, where's the emergency shutoff switch? How many fire extinguishers are there? Describe where they're at. Where's the drinking fountain? Where's the restroom? Um, so they were able to look around the environment and try and, and figure out where things are and just spend time observing the space around them. Um, and so then when it comes time to actually like start working and when we need those items, the students already feel comfortable in their space and they, they've taken inventory of everything that's around them. Um, the seventh graders have never taken a shop class before, and so they had the hardest time filling it out. The eighth graders were in the shop class last year, because every single seventh grader and every single eighth grader takes a class. They swap with PE a semester, so I have half of them right now. Um, so all of the eighth graders have taken a shop class before, so they know where the fire extinguisher, extinguishers are, and they know where um, the drinking fountain is and the bulletin board, and um, they know that stuff, so they walk they got through it pretty quick. Um, so those, some were finished, some weren't. Um, we'll get back to them once we start the safety unit um, on Tuesday, which is tomorrow. Um, and then we just talked through that syllabus and that grade breakdown and um, what that would look like, how I was going to support them, um, and just answer some questions on it. And then they had to take it home and get it signed by their parents. They signed it. Um, and then they get a few points um, in the grade book just for returning that on time. Um, so what I, um, or what I did at the high school with that laboratory observation, instead of staying in one space because we can't really see the whole shop, um, we, without touching one another or any of the equipment or tools, we did, a, we did a walkthrough observation. So we went clear to the end at the welding booths. Um, and, and before it was like the welding booth, a bar stool, the fume hoods there. Um, and like, that was it. What I changed was that the tables were completely cleared off, swept off. The floor was swept underneath the bar stools on top of the table. The pliers are there. The chipping hammer is there and the wire brush is there, um, like hung on the side. And there's a quench bucket in the booth and every single booth looks like this. And every single booth will look like this when we're finished using the, the welding area. Um, so when we walked all the way to the end, and some of the kids that have taken welding before, um, I just asked, like, what are you noticing? Like, what do you notice? And they're like, that's a lot of stuff on this big middle table here. Like, there's a lot of junk here. What's up with that? And I was like, well, let's look at the welding booths. Because um, all the stuff that was in the welding booths made its way to the big table um, while I cleaned them out. And they, they thought that having the wire brush there and the chipping hammer and the quench, and they thought that was so cool. Um, and I told them that I did that because I want them to spend more time learning and less time looking for stuff. And they were like, this is amazing. We love this. And so right off the bat, I got their buy-in for keeping the area clean. 
Um, Because it means that they get to spend more time learning and doing what they want to do. Instead of, like, looking for something or fighting over a wire brush or whatever else. Um, So that was... That was really cool to get their buy-in right off the bat. Um, it sounds like they were pretty frustrated with the, the class that just graduated. Um, they, they must have been at the point where they, they were worn out and burnt out and quit caring about putting stuff away. Um, and the, the now seniors and now juniors um, were frustrated with that. So I think that I'll have an easier time keeping the shop a cleaner place. What was interesting in the plant science laboratory observation is that we're, we're sitting in a wood shop at shop tables in a plant science class. Uh, there's no greenhouse yet. Um, and they were, they were like, where, um, where are we doing plant stuff? Like, this is a science class, but you don't have a projector. Like, how are we going to learn? Like, this is not what we're used to. And so they were, they were noticing those things, um, and we, we came to the conclusion, the realization that we're going to do hands-on stuff because that's our option. Um, so I think they're pretty excited about it. Their option was either to take chemistry or plant science for their next science credit. Um, so the, the students that I have in that class are the ones that were not interested in the chemistry class. Um, they might not be interested for an, a variety of reasons, um, but I do have more students on IEPs and 504s than the chemistry class does. So um, more hands-on and interactive and um, guided and and scaffolding and all of that stuff um, is more appropriate to my general student base, um, especially those those few that that need and require that assistance. So I think that class will be a lot of fun, but I love that they noticed that it's going to be different from a a normal science class. so that laboratory search and find was, it was awesome. Um, what I, what I took away from day one is that I have no time to do anything. Like (laughs) with four minute passing periods, just the amount of time it takes to put, um, I have a, like manila files, like those file folders in, um, a hanging file thing. Um, so when fourth period turns in their syllabus, I close that file, put it in my bucket, pull out the next class period. And so then like between each bell, I'm putting it away and pulling a new one back out. Even just that and like straightening up papers, making sure name tents get put away. Um, and then getting, I have like little handouts. My tables are A, B, C, and D. One, two, three, four. And so I have to like regather those things that I hand out Um and when the next class comes in, I can hand them back out and they all know where to sit. Um, and like that takes four minutes. And so then class is starting and, and the handouts already need to be ready and the bell work already needs to be ready. And like all of those things already need to be ready. Um, and week one, each class was doing the same thing. Um, but as we go into this week, each of my classes are going to be doing something different. So like my plant science, we're going to be starting the scientific method unit. And in my two welding classes, or ag mechanics, um, we're going to um, schedule out our units and, like, figure out who's doing what at, at which time and how we're going to, like, get through that learning process together. And so that, like, the bell work for each of those need to be, like, up and ready um, in that four-minute window 
which is already really short. Um, and what I would love to do is have it all on a PowerPoint so I can just like open it and have it ready to go. But I don't have that option. So that's interesting. By the time class got over, I was like, at what point, at what point do I like put together my, my POA, um, recruit kids to join FFA? If we want to do a practice, I have a 30 minute lunch and like, I need, I need a brain break. Like I need to, I need five minutes to just sit and do nothing, eat and like get ready for the next class. Um, and that class after lunch, they come in early and they like to eat lunch in there, um, which they're, they're quiet and respectful. And so, um, that's fine, but, but I, I still need that time to myself to sit and, and think and figure out what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, realization day one as a teacher, there's no time to do anything. It turns out all of the other teachers were right. I hate that. So we're going to work on time management and I'll, I'll let you know how that goes. I'm sure it'll come back up again. So that was my first day of school. My second day of school, um, we focused in each one of my classes on FFA. Um, after going through the FFA day, I realized that it, next year um, I need to make it a unit. Because these kids, they know nothing. Like nothing, nothing. Um, so my bell work on this day, they each drew um, a piece of paper that... Most of them said member and then had the like member portion of the opening ceremonies. And then six people drew ones that were the officer positions. Um, so the officer positions said, take a script from a sixth desk um, and find your tape to stand on. So they took their scripts and we, we spread out and we did opening ceremonies. And all day, not a single person had ever heard it before. Not a single person in the chapter. Um... Except for the kids that I have two and three times a day. They're like, oh yeah, I heard it like an hour ago. Um, but that, that doesn't count. They've not, they've not heard opening ceremonies before. So before I took this job, I was like, I wonder if they did chapter officer, tra- officer training. And I wonder what, like, how they split up the duties of the officers. And I wonder what committees each of them are in charge of. And um, I don't have to worry about any of those things because that's not, not a thing. Um, which is a blessing and a curse. So I have the opportunity to build a culture with my students and um, like build up that participation and, and light that fire and get them excited. Um, but I am not starting with much. So we got a long ways to go. That was when I realized um, FFA needs to be a unit, not just a day. Because they don't know anything. Like anything, anything. Um and I think that next year when I when I make that into a unit, I want to get an official manual for each student um, and give it to each student so everybody has their own copy. Um, and to then build that into into every year so the, the freshmen, they all get their own FFA manual. Um, and so it won't be such a big big expense every year. Um, but I think that'd be that'd be a cool ownership, something to look back on and say, yeah, this is my this is my manual from the year that I joined. Um, so, yeah, after we did opening ceremonies, uh, we moved into a, a history timeline event. So I had 12 items, um, and I wrote 12 years up on the board. And the, the task was for each table group 
um, to order, like take those 12 strips of paper and put them in the proper order um, according to the timeline. So, so they went through and they did their best. Um, for the groups that were struggling and just where to start, I had them pull, I had three relating to um, females one was the year that um, females were allowed full membership at the national level. Um, the first national officer and the first African-American female um, national president. Um, and then I also took when the New Farmers of America merged with Future Farmers of America. So for the groups that were overwhelmed, we pulled those four. They put them in a particular order. Um, because, I mean, women have to be allowed in the organization before any of them become an officer. Um, and being from Washington, that one was fun because Julie Smiley, the first female officer, is from Washington. And so that was a little extra buy-in that was helpful for my students. Um, so I started with those four and then think about the one that um, says the FFA was founded. Like, that probably needs to come first, right? Um, and so just using those context clues... And in Smith-Hughes Act, I wrote, the Smith-Hughes Act um, paved the way for the FFA to exist. And so they could conclude that that might have come before FFA existed. And so they all got pretty close. Um, but then we talked through the timeline and um, got it all in the correct order. Um, and one thing that I, I like to stress on is the 1960s, two big events, um, when the New Farmers of America joined um, or merged with FFA, and then when uh, women were granted membership at the national level, um, and just talking about the civil rights movement and the, the atmosphere in America right now, um, and then something that I got to pull in after talking about that, um, say, like, in the, in the 60s, these two things happened and made it possible for us to elect a female African-American officer when did that actually happen? And they're like, it, like two years ago. Um, that took a long time. And I was like, it did. That's interesting, isn't it? And they were like, why did it take so long? And so like getting them to think through those social issues, um, I think that that's really valuable to students. Um, and like evaluate what's, what's going on in, in the world and in, in FFA and is, are we, as a society, are we at the point where we think that we are? Um, or is there progress still to be made? Um, based on today's climate, um, like what's going on in the organization? Because it, it's reflective. Um, so that was, they thought that was really interesting. Um, with today's social climate, a lot of the students are interested in it. Um, so that was a, a fun way to bring in um, some interest. I also took one of the activities that I loved this day. I took the creed um, opening ceremonies, like each of the station's parts, the, the mission, the motto, code of ethics, um, vision statement. I think I already said that. Um, I took all of those things and I cut them apart and then split them up between each of the tables. And so the so one table might have like the reporter's part, two random paragraphs from the creed and the vision statement. Um, and so each of the tables is different based on any prior knowledge. Um, 
and then the information in those pieces, they wrote one sentence describing FFA. And so the, the table group that had the reporter's part, they were able to describe who was invited to participate because it said um, from Alaska to the Virgin Islands, Maine to Hawaii. And so they have a, a range of students. It's probably United States. Um, but because it says Virgin Islands, it's more than the United States, but how much more? And so then they, some classes got to the conclusion that it was U.S. territories, and some classes didn't quite get there. Um, it depended on the students. Um, a lot of a lot of belief statements from the from the creed, the the group with the mission statement. I thought had it easiest, um, but they read it and they're like, "We don't understand what this is." Like, can we just read this? It's like, no, you can't just read that. Write your own original sentence. Um, but I had some some really good conclusions. Um, and it was just from the information that I gave them. Which was not much. But like the, I had one class that had the um, advisors part. And they, they had to read it like four or five times before someone was like, the, they're like, the adults don't run this. The students do. Like, this is a student organization. And then the advisor helps us when we ask, right? Um, that, was, that was cool to see that this, like, the students realizing that this is their organization. Um, that they get to be in charge of and a part of and participate in. Um, it was pretty neat. Um, the last part, I overplanned, which I'd rather overplan than underplan. Um, I had pieces of paper around the room that had like each of the CDEs and LDEs and proficiencies and stars and um, degrees, all of those. And what I was going to do was have everyone like walk around the room and pick two things they were interested in um, and then just write like why they were interested in them. Because then that gives me as an advisor a way to figure out how to pull students in. Like if this student is interested in floriculture, then when it come time, comes time for that, um, I know how to get that student interested. Or if they want to do tractor driving, and I have a, a large group of students that want to do tractor driving, then that's something that I need to participate in. Which, that's a CDE that we have here in Washington. Um, I don't know how common that is across the nation. But my, I have a class of six, my first ag mechanics class. Um, every single one of them, they want to do tractor driving. Um, and then half of them want to do agronomy and the other half want to do soils. So we're going to, we're going to focus on some, some farming practices with that class. Um, that, that was, that was fun to see, but I know where to go like with that class, like when tractor driving comes up and I don't, if I don't say anything, that would be dumb. But if I do bring it up, um, and they have to pay dues before we can go participate, that's a foundation of membership and that's, that's a way to get them, get them in and get them hooked. So I'm looking forward to that. but So in that class of six, um, one of them hasn't made it to school yet. Um, I think he's helping with harvest. So five students. Three of them I have in the class right before, so they've already gone through all this information. So this was the only class that I did get to this activity. While they were walking around the room and picking out the things that they wanted to do, my superintendent and principal walk in for my first observation. Um, which observations are, can be scary and intimidating but the best advice that I got um as a young professional is from Dr. Falk he's one of my professors at the University of Idaho um he told me during student teaching don't take it personal take it professional 
we're here to observe you because we want you to be a better teacher and we want you to improve, not because we hate you. We're not looking for a reason to fire you. We're trying to figure out how to support you. Um, so take it professional, don't take it personal. So they walked in and I was like, sweet, these people are going to help me because um, I'm a day two teacher and I probably have a long ways to go before I'm a master teacher. Um, and I'm comfortable with that. And so the boys, they all, it's an all boys class. They go around and pick the things that they want to do and they come sit down and I had them write them on notes and give them to me. So I have them saved. Um, and then we talked about the, the things that they picked and um, how it relates to career goals and got on the topic of like future careers, things that they, that they want to do. Um, and we were relating it back to the CDEs and LDEs they wanted to participate in. And then we started talking about their SAE projects too and how those pieces all fit together. And so I told them the story about my, my fiance. I didn't tell them that's who I was talking about. I just had a friend of mine. Um, and he is a product of my student teaching site with Mr. Kant. Um, he showed um, steers as his SAE project, um, also had breeding. Um, so those are the animals that he still has. So he had a, a small herd that he was breeding. Um, they have a livestock show in the spring and the fairs in the fall. So he had two animals every year that he was selling. Uh, he competed in, in livestock judging and uh, like other CVEs that related back to cattle. Graduated and went to the University of Idaho for a degree in um, cattle production earned his degree there, and now he's working at a feedlot in a management trainee position where he's learning like how to um, handle incoming and outgoing cattle, uh, the feeding, the, the business portion, the marketing, um, procurement, the processing. He's, he's learning all of these different areas of the company, and so he's setting himself up to be very successful um, in the future. And like long-term career plan is to own his own cattle ranch. And so he used his opportunities in high school. Um, he competed in events relating to livestock. His ag experience was related to livestock. He took um, classes related to livestock. He, it was something that he was passionate about and he loved and he wanted to do. And by participating in all of these things, he narrowed down what he wanted to do as a career and then pursued it and is now being very successful at it. Um, so drawing all those connections with the students... Um, they really liked that and like I want to do this and how can I get there and how can I start gaining experience now and I want to be involved and like I let me let me do this career I'm I'm in um, so they got they got fired up and um, started making a plan for things that they wanted to compete in that will make them more competitive in the career field um, and what ag experience experiences they want to have that will set them up to get into um, a welding school um, and so I got an awesome compliment from my, um, principal after school that day. I went and asked her a question. Um, and she was really impressed that I got, in particular, those boys to sit down and have that conversation. Um, and I just said I, I started with what they were interested in. They told me what they were interested in. And so then we talked about it and I just share what, what I know can happen and what I want to happen for them. Um, so that was, that was an awesome compliment. So we're going to compete in tractor driving this year, and they also want to go to the Ag Show in Spokane. So I can do that. When's this fall? When's this next spring? Um, so those kids, I know that I can get interested in FFA. 
Um, day two was also the first day that I had um, cell phone issues. One student, this was, so I have a, had a class of three. Two have since dropped, so going into this next week, I have a class of one, which is this one student who's helping with harvest and hasn't made it to school yet. So we'll see how that goes. So day two, I still have two students in class with me. One of them I have in three classes. Since he dropped this class, he's now in a different three classes, so I still see him often. Um, And then the other student um, ended up dropping all of my classes. Um, So he went from three to zero over a course of two days, which I'm taking professionally, not personally. And if if he's going to be that miserable in my classes, chances are I would be too. Um, So maybe I can get him back in the future. Um, But we'll see about that one. I can't blame them because they joined the class thinking that they were taking a class from a person who's no longer here. So that's that's one of the things that make it e- makes it easy for me to take it professionally is that they signed up for a class and then they got what's actually happening this year with me. So their expectations are different from what's actually happening and that's not anyone's fault. It just is what it is. Um, so anyway, this student um, who I no longer have pulled his phone out and our district, they said it's new this year. Everything's new to me this year. Um, they have a zero tolerance policy. Zero cell phones. If I see a cell phone, I have the right to take it as a teacher. Which doesn't quite align with my like personal philosophy on phones, but I'm hired to um, carry out district policy. And so that's the expectation for me as a professional, and so then that's what I'll do in my classroom. So he pulls his phone out. Um, I tell him to put it away, and he's like, yeah, okay. And keeps typing. So I tell him to put it away. And he keeps typing. I said, fine, put it on my desk. Um, and he's like, I'm not giving you my phone. And put it back in his pocket. And so I told him, if I, if I ever, ever see that phone again, we're going to have a conversation with the principal and with your parents. And he's like, you're not taking my phone. And I was like, that's not what we're talking about. If I ever see your phone again, we're going to sit down and have a conversation. Because this will not be an issue in my class. Um, so then after school, what I did, um, because I'm, I, (laughs) there's a line from my dad's book. I don't make threats. I make promises. Um, so that wasn't, that wasn't a threat. That wasn't, um, Ooh, Miss Hicks is going to talk to my mom. That was next time I see your phone, we're having a conversation. I'm letting you know, because that's what's happening. Um, so after school, I went and I talked to my principal about it and said, Hey, I had this issue with this one student, asked him to put his phone away twice. He didn't, then he refused to give it to me. Um, and so we reached the conclusion that next time I see it in any situation, we're having a conversation about it. And she was like, perfect. I'll talk to him tomorrow and let him know that, um, that you will not have an issue with his phone. So she backed me up on that, which was awesome. Um, but then he ended up dropping my class. Um, which... I'm not lowering my expectations, and I'm not going to not do my job just to keep this one kid in class. Um, that's a, a lesson that he needed to learn. Um, it's a lesson that I needed to learn as a professional. And now we're all on the same pa- page, and I don't think, <laughs> I don't think I'm going to have any cell phone issues with him again. So that's nice. Um, so my realization from day two is that I am starting with nothing this year in terms of the FFA chapter. Um, I don't have much going on. 
So that night I texted um, Mr. Camp, my mentor teacher, and I said, I'm reading it, um, my FFA chapter's a mess. We did opening ceremonies at the beginning of class, and it was the first time any of my kids have heard them. Uh, my treasurer found me to let me know that we have $2,000 in our bank account. Um, she's not enrolled in an ad class and doesn't want to. The president isn't either, um, and she doesn't know who the other officers are, but last spring when they elected, some seniors were chosen, um, and then they graduated, so those positions will need filled. So that's my, that's what I'm starting with. That's my FFA chapter. It's going to be great. So I also messaged my, my cohort. There's nine of us that graduated together from the U of I. Um, and another girl in my class, um, Riley Garrett, is having the same issue. Um, where she's coming in from a, a chapter that, like a, an ag program that existed, but the, the FFA chapter has a lot of work to go. Um, and so I love having that connection with her. And so then JD, um, well, his wife Audrey... Uh, suggested that I read Contagious Culture. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read that book and try to figure out how to build up this culture in my, in my FFA chapter. So I'll download that audiobook and listen to it on the way to school. Um, and then also, I need to get admins back up and get my officers in my classes where they can't be officers because that's not, that's not how it works. Um, they have to be in an ad class in order to be an FFA member. And they have to be a member in order to be an officer. So... I'll talk to those, to those kids, um, but I have to get admin on my side first, which is excellent advice. So that brings us to day three, um, which are short days because we do professional development Friday afternoons, and I've dedicated Fridays to AET. Um, so my, my, at the middle school level, it looked a little bit different than at the high school level because I d- the middle school is not one-to-one where the high school is. And I don't have a laptop cart yet. Um, and I'm not, I was not in a position this Friday to start working on computers. And so we defined supervised, agricultural, and experience. And then mushed those three words together um, and wrote a definition for it. And then with that um, information on the back side of that piece of paper, we wrote a letter to our past selves. And so we said, Dear Past Miss Hicks, a supervised agricultural experience is, and they wrote that paragraph, and then I gave some examples of some SAEs, um, and so the next paragraph started, an example of an SAE is, and so they wrote out an example, um, and I was like, you could use one that I, that I just said, you can think of your own, if you are already having an experience that is ag-related, write that down, um, write down an example. And then the final paragraph was, a possible SAE that I could do is, and then they finished writing that paragraph, and at the end, love, future Miss Hicks, um, or future their name. Um, I really liked that activity, the letter to your past self, and taking your, the knowledge that you just learned, and then explain it to yourself from two, two days ago, when you didn't know anything about it. Um, I, I really like that, that activity, I think I'm going to do it um, in some of my high school classes. So then at the high school level, um, I printed off a, a worksheet from AET um, to help them set up their accounts. So the night before, I, I put in all of their names, their passwords, um, that information. And so they followed the worksheet, and they filled out, like, set up their AET account. So then they got a grade for being at 100% profile completion. 
Um, and then they put in some other information, like in the, in the resume, um, FFA offices, committees, stuff like that. Um, what I found is as they're, as they're going through this, um, at the end, we also did explore, S- or explore SAE. If you, if you log out of AET and you're in the home screen and hover over curriculum and click explore SAE, um, there's a cool resource there for kids. So they went through and they took that, that quiz and how much time they have and what they want to do, what they're interested in, um, and it gives them an idea to start with for an SAE project, some, something to start thinking about. So I had a student come up to me and said, the guy that I'm harvesting for said that I can like just manage one of his fields. Like, I can just be in charge of one of his fields. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. So I have a really awesome potential SAE there. A lot of kids are working harvest, and they're like, does that count? Like, can I just, can we do that? I was like, yes, heck yes. And then there's a couple kids that have fair animals. Um, so we have a start. Um, but on Fridays, we're going we're gonna to go through what our SAE projects are going to look like. Um, and it's, it's going to be awesome. I'm really excited. These kids have some great resources. We're a pretty heavy ag community. We live up on the Palouse, so there's, there's lots of wheat and grains. Um, so this, this weekend, um, I'm doing a lot of lesson planning, like a lot. Riley's gone into a wedding, um, which is all the way across Idaho, which I was going to go to. But then after I got hired at this job, I was like, I need to lesson plan. And then after the wedding, he stopped me in Boise because he has a job training until Thursday. And so then my option was either um, follow him in my car for nine hours across three states and then drive back by myself and not lesson plan or stay here and lesson plan. So I stayed here, um, but I wish I could have gone. So he's gone till Thursday, which is nice because I don't have my alone time, um, except for the dog's really needy. Um, and I'm, I'm focusing on a couple things. What I was focusing on yesterday was my framework for plant science. Like I said in an early episode, the only thing I was given is the name of a course, plant science. Good luck. Um, so I put together which units I'm going to teach, how many weeks each unit is, where they fall, looking at the school calendar, the FFA calendar, like making everything like line up. Um, gotten a lot of resources on communities of practice through NAAE. Um, and while I was looking for, um, what was I looking for? Um, the scientific method. That's my first unit. Um, so I wanted to write that one first and just have the whole unit finished so that tomorrow when I start it, I'm just ready to roll. Um, I found some really good resources on photosynthesis. So I wrote that unit completely on per, on accident, um, so now I'm prepped for the end of October. So now today we're going to go back and actually write the scientific method one. Because um, I found some good resources. I just got to put it together. And then we're going to jump into soils after that. So I want finish the first one, start on the second one. We'll get going. Agmec, um, I have two units. And I'm setting them up, I think in a semi-original way. Um, we're going to start with... Um, general shop safety and then we're going to roll into basic shop skills so they can pick four things that they want to do um, tool ID, metal ID, woods ID or um, like shop math so they'll finish one of those units we'll have a facilities management where they're each going to take one piece of equipment and um, post on the equipment 
startup operation and shutdown procedures. Um, they're going to make a management plan for the school year for like the blade on the bandsaw is probably going to need replaced at this time. This is where we order from. This is the blade that we need. Like create that whole equipment management guideline, um, which is going to help me as a teacher. But then also when they get their own shop and their own tools and their own equipment, they know how to go through those steps for their, to take care of their own stuff. Um, so I'm excited for that. Um, and then the other units are, like I, I give them the framework and my expectations for each one, and then they pick the order that they take them in. So I have arc welding and MIG welding. Um, they have to get through safety beginning and advanced. And so I have like some guidelines for how to get through each of those, but like for safety for MIG welding, what they have to do is prove to me that they can safely MIG weld. So I have like a checklist of things that they need to hit in my head, but what they need to do is research. Um, there's an owner's manual, there's, um, I have ICEV curriculum online, so I set up like a little class in there, they can do that. They can make a presentation for class, a handout, a brochure, uh, all sorts of stuff. They can uh, need to prove that they can safely operate an arc welder. Um, so I have arc and MIG, um, the CNC plasma table, um, which they have to pass through the beginning level of both welding units before they can operate that piece of machine, and then a fabrication unit, which they have to pass through the advanced level of both welding units before they can fabricate. Um, there's woods, safety beginning advanced, and then um, original. And so then that, that last piece, students decide what they want to learn next, what project they want to build, um, and kind of take it their own direction. Um, so on Monday, we're going to map out which units they want to do and what order they want to do them in. Because um, I only have six MIG welders, so we can't all MIG weld first off because that's not going to work. Um, so we're going to put together like a class calendar of who's doing what at which times. So that'll be pretty neat. So that's what I'm working on this week. You just listened to the second episode of Trying to Teach Ag with Miss Hicks. Today we looked at my first week in the classroom um, and kind of explored some of the, the struggles and things going on as a first year teacher. Hope you enjoyed. See you all next time.